We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to the Rotowire Fantasy Basketball Podcast. Uh, attempt number two, James, to record the Western Conference over under win total picks. This is something you and I do every year. We did the Eastern Conference last week. Uh, for those of you just listening to this as a podcast, you're probably wondering what we're talking about. For those of you who were uh, on the stream, whether it was on YouTube or on Twitter, we went hard for about five minutes, James, and then just had a out of nowhere hailstorm uh, descend on Madison, Wisconsin. Yeah, it was pretty wild. I do the recordings looking out my front window and uh, yeah, it, I haven't seen hail that big in Madison before and it was in October. So uh, pretty random. All right. Well, we, we think the storm has passed. So we're back at it uh, about 10 minutes after the, the initial recording. Uh, we're going to run through all 15 uh, win total over-unders for the Western Conference. Again, we did the East this time last week. You can check that out uh, in the podcast feed on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever you get that. Uh, you can also find the video version archived on Twitter as well as the Rotowire Fantasy Basketball YouTube channel. Uh, we're closing in on a thousand subscribers, James. We just launched this a couple of weeks ago, so we implore you uh, to please go like our videos, subscribe to that channel. Uh, we'll continue to bring you a ton of content throughout the fantasy basketball season, uh, and of course, that begins tomorrow night uh, with opening night. Two games: we got the Lakers and the Nuggets, the Suns and the Warriors. Uh, James, I want to stick to the win totals, though. I, I don't want to start, you know, veering off track here. This is going to end up being a two-hour pod. Uh, so let's get right into the Western Conference. We'll do alphabetically, as we always do. So that means we are starting with the Dallas Mavericks, a 38-win team a year ago. The number is 43-and-a-half. And we're in agreement off the bat. We're both going under on the Mavericks. Yeah, I just don't think, you know, I think this is an incredibly top-heavy roster. And... uh I don't really think Kyrie Irving matters that much in it, like whether or not you get 60 games or 40 games. Yep. Uh, I just think Doncic isn't quite at that Nikola Jokic, Giannis Antetokounmpo level. Uh, you know, he's not the two-way guy that Giannis is. He doesn't, you know, keep the ball moving and make everyone better on offense the way Jokic did, does. It's, it's very uh, heliocentric, and I think his game – travels really well into postseason play because there just aren't many teams that can stop him from getting where he wants mm -hmm. in the half court in the postseason. But I think regular season, 
you're looking at probably Josh Green or Grant Williams as the third best player on this entire team, which is just a real kind of testament to their lack of of quality players. Really, I mean, depth is one thing, but they don't even have like a good third and fourth player on this roster. Yeah, and that's what ultimately pushed me to the under because I think there is there's a case to be made that Luca is so good, Luca specifically, and that's without even bringing Kyrie into the equation. That if if you just put the right type of players around him, they don't have to be stars, but just the right type of players that you know he alone can get you to to 40 wins. He's basically done close to that through the first few years uh, of his career. But I I'm just really down uh, on these role players. You, know, you can make a case that Grant Williams is their third best player, or I don't know, Josh Green, Tim Hardaway Jr. Take, take your pick. I mean, they're, they're going to be relying, you know, very heavily on, on a rookie and Derek Lively. Uh, we'll, we'll see what he looks like. You know, he's, he's shown some flashes, but I think they're going to be asking a lot of him right away. I, I just feel like more can go wrong and could go right with this Mavs team. I will ask you, though, like, how much did you consider the way that they ended last season? You know, Dallas was on was on like a 43-44 win pace. But, of course, you know, they, they kind of went in the tank. They benched Luka and Kyrie. They, they went 2-9. and nine in their last 11 games. So like that, that 38 wins a year ago, do you look at that as like somewhat of a false final? Uh, you know, on the one hand, they giving up guys like a guy like Dorian Finney Smith in that Kyrie deal, like that's the exact type of player this team needs. And this player, this team lacks. I mean, Dorian Finney Smith would clearly be the third best player on this team. Mm-hmm. So I, I just kind of think they, they gave up sort of a more well-rounded roster to go, super offense heavy down the stretch. Um, they obviously sort of tanked a little bit. Um, I'm just not weighing it that much. I just I just don't think this is a quality enough team for me to bet on them going uh, over 500 in a Western Conference where there's going to be 11 teams mm-hmm. really doing their best to, to get into the mid-40s. That was the other thing for me is there's, there's just not going to be that many easy wins out there for a team like Dallas. Um, you know, I, I think – you could take you basically look at like the top seven or eight teams, and those are 50-50 games at best for the Mavs. And you know, unless they're playing San Antonio, Portland, you know, maybe Utah. We'll, we'll talk about them in a bit. Uh, there's there's just not there's not a ton of free wins on the schedule. And I, I think even if you know Luca stays healthy, even if Kyrie you know, has kind of a, a best case season in terms of games played, it's the team that is, is probably you know scuffling its way to, to 41, 42 wins. So 43 and a half, uh, just a little bit too high for me. Um, you know, again, I think you're, you're asking a lot of, of Kyrie and Luca in terms of games played, in terms of chemistry, and in terms of shouldering a massive offensive burden for a team that I just don't think is all that good. So we're going under on the Dallas Mavericks. The Denver Nuggets, James, the defending champions, 53 wins a year ago. Uh, the number is placed at 52 and a half. You like the over? I, I'm leaning under here. Yeah, I mean, I, I think they get into the low 50s. I'm not sold they get to 53 necessarily but uh this is just going to be whenever Jokic is out there it's basically the best offense in the league and they've got so much continuity uh in the key spots on this roster probably the best starting five in the league um you know I think they've they've shown a really solid ability to find contributors in the draft Uh, a lot of buzz about like Julian Strother this year um similarly to Christian Braun last year. Uh, so I, you know, I think Jokic is, is the MVP. Uh, I think he probably should be a three-time defending MVP at this point. And uh, he's one of the best bets to stay healthy. I think Jamal Murray has his best season uh, as a pro this year and makes the all-star team. So I think they just kind of get to like 54, 53 
Uh, not a slam dunk over, but I think they're they're too good for me to go under here. Yeah, I, I think you know if they just kind of flip it on cruise control, they're they're kind of an automatic fifty win team. So this this was not a a lock for me by any means. But I, I also think there's something that you know when you when you kind of get into that title contention mode, and you know, we talked about this last week with teams like Boston and Milwaukee. You know that the regular season kind of becomes less and less valuable. Like there's there's no real sense in like pushing to win. 62 games, even if that's what your roster is capable of. I, I don't see Denver really doing that, you know, after playing all the way into June uh, this past year, you know, they, they had some guys playing in, in, in FIBA and whatnot. Um, I, I think they probably pull back a little bit and, and make sure they, they make it through this regular season as healthy as possible. I mean, uh, you know, Jamal Murray had a quote earlier today. I, I saw on Twitter where he was, I, I feel like it was a little bit tongue in cheek, but even he was saying like, yeah, I don't know that we're going to be like firing at all cylinders right away. You know, like we, we have some important pieces to replace. We're relying on some young players to, to, to step into larger roles. And this is not an overly deep team. Like I, I think they're confident, you know, in guys like, you know, Reggie Jackson, giving them okay minutes as backup point guard, you know, Christian Braun stepping into a, a larger role, you know, Julian Strothers look really good as a young player, Peyton Watson, somebody that they've mentioned, you know, to kind of step into that Bruce Brown role for them. But ultimately I, I think there's going to be a learning curve for a lot of those players. And I, I think, you know, this is a team that I, I don't see like running away with the Western conference. And ultimately I, I don't know if they really care what their seed is. Uh, the other thing that pushed me toward the under here, James, is, is Denver was, you know, remarkably healthy last season uh, by current NBA standards, right? Uh, you know, they, they only have like one, one starter get to 70 games, which is KCP, who's like 75 games every year. Uh, but, you know, like Aaron Gordon, Jokic, Murray, uh, you know, Bruce Brown played 80 games. Like their, their core guys, for the most part, were healthier than just about every core in the NBA. And, you know, that's a testament to the type of players that they have. Like I, I they don't have a bunch of Anthony Davises on this roster, but I, I do think there's a decent chance that at least one of those guys, you know, succumbs to an injury at some point. And, um, you know, for a team that doesn't have a ton of depth as far as, you know, returning champions go, I think that could hurt them. Yeah. I, I think all the points you made are, are solid points. I, I don't feel that strongly about the over. Um, no. They do have one of the best home court advantages in the league. Uh, if not the best, uh, just yeah. factor in the elevation and everything. So, That'll work in their favor. And I mean, I do think if it, you know, if the number one seed is kind of on the line, like I don't think they're just going to completely keep it on cruise control the whole way. I think they'd yeah. rather have game seven at home than in Phoenix or in Golden State. So um, I don't, I don't feel that strongly in it. It's just kind of, you know, how many teams have this much continuity and this good of a, a lead player. So. Okay, fair enough. Last thing on the Nuggets, and this this kind of ties into the team that we might be talking about next year. But do you feel like, based on where we were at the end of last season, when you know Denver for the most part cruised its way through the Western Conference playoffs and and obviously to the NBA title, do you, do you feel like there's still you know a gap between Nuggets as as the clear best team and then everybody else, or is that gap narrowed at all to you? In the West or the whole league? In the West, uh, I think there should be a, a small gap there in just the way that they're all discussed you know i think there's theoretical versions of these other teams that are in their class but i think given that we saw them just go on a dominant run through the western conference playoffs mm-hmm. um you know their young core like Jokic, murray those guys are absolutely in the middle of their primes they're not aging out of their primes so yeah. i think they have to be considered in in a small class of their own in the west yeah, I, I feel more comfortable like giving this team the benefit of the doubt than, than just about any other. Just just you know, for Jokic alone, you know, with, with the, the the floor that he presents, and you know, that's a 
something that obviously translates to fantasy as well. Let's go to the Warriors. 44 wins a year ago. The number is 47 and a half for Golden State. Uh, that is third among Western Conference teams behind only Denver and the Phoenix Suns. We are both go- going over on Golden State. Uh, you know, I, I think with the Warriors at this point, James, like it is, it is fair to question, you know, the age of, of Stephen Curry, of Clay Thompson, of Chris Paul, Draymond Green, who has already been ruled out uh, for opening night. He's been dealing with an ankle injury for these last couple of weeks. You know, I, I'm very interested to see how they end up using Chris Paul, you know, what his role, you know, whether that transitions at some point uh, throughout the season. I, I, even, even though all these guys are a year older than I just mentioned, like, I, I feel like they'll have a little bit better health luck this year. Uh, you know, went through a lot of injuries last season. You know, they're kind of like a 500 team for, for half of the year. Uh, I think getting rid of Jordan Poole, even though you're, you're, you're annexing a, uh, you know, a potential 20, 25 point per game score, I think that could be a net positive for them. You know, the way that that relationship seemed to sour by the end of the year. And, um, you know, if nothing else, we're, we're kind of falling back on the Warriors infrastructure. Yeah. And, you know, no Jordan Poole, no James Wiseman. I think that's two major additions by subtraction just in terms of their their defense. Um, Draymond Green was one of the best defenders in the league last year, but the team defense was very mediocre, uh, all things considered. I think they got those weak links out of there. Um, I think it just kind of comes down to health. I think if this team has just sort of okay health, they get this over. Uh, pretty comfortably I think they could get to 50 wins Mm -hmm. but if Steph Curry misses like 30 games with something then it's in big time jeopardy Um, we saw how important Andrew Wiggins was to them when he wasn't around uh, for a good chunk of last year so um, injuries could sink this but I think just looking at the talent on paper there's no more of this kind of pulling in two different directions with the young guys and the old guys they still have some of the young guys but um, they brought in the old guy (laughs) <laughs> I think I think everyone kind of knows which direction that everyone yeah. should be pulling. So, um, yeah, I, I think it's an over. Yeah, no, I, you know we can we can kind of joke about Chris Paul at this point in his career. He's still he's still a winning player, especially if he's giving yeah. you like twenty seven good minutes a night, whether that's starting or coming off the bench. Like I, I actually like that as a regular season move for the Warriors. I think he's going to be in a great spot to to kind of limit his workload, pick his spots. I think he's going to help them as long as he stays healthy. You're totally right about Curry. I mean it's. I, I, I almost feel like we don't talk enough about how much time he's missed, you know, these last few years. He's in that basket of some of those older stars, you know, Durant, LeBron. He's played 56, 64, 63, 5, 69, 51 over the last six seasons. Like, there's not a lot of evidence to suggest that he's going to suddenly play 74 games here. Like, I, I think you got to bake in at least probably 15 missed games for him. But I, I also think he plays more than 56, uh, which is where he was at last year. And it, you mentioned the Wiggins thing. You kind of forget about that with how much time he missed. Like, that was – that was kind of a one-off, you know, he's never really been injured. He was right. you know, kind of an 80, 82 game guy early in his career. Like I think just getting, you know, even if you get a 80% season from Andrew Wiggins, like they, they really, really missed him uh, down the stretch last year and, and getting him back in the mix, I think is a huge uh, you know, kind of baseline booster for the Warriors. So we both like the over on 47 and a half for Golden State. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. 
leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day. Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Let's go to the Houston Rockets, James. This is a, a really fun one. 22 wins last year. The number's all the way up at 31 and a half. You could argue that no team made more sweeping changes than the Houston Rockets that starts, you know, at, at head coach with Ime Yudoka coming in. Uh, they have this weird, this weird balance now between young and old. And, I, I, you know, bringing in Dylan Brooks, bringing in Fred Van Vliet, uh, you know, that, that raises your floor. It, it certainly does. But I, I do worry about the, the push and pull here, kind of what you mentioned with the Warriors. I mean, you, you're trying to develop Amin Thompson, Jalen Green, Cam Whitmore, Tari Eason, Jamari Smith, Alperin Shangun. Like, how, how does that contrast with, with bringing in Van Vliet and Dylan Brooks specifically? I think Van Vliet complements everything perfectly because he's he can play he can play on ball, he can play off ball. Uh you know, he's going to bomb threes and space the floor. He's not going to insist on trying to go one-on-one or anything like that. He's a, he's a good team defender. Uh, my one sort of holdback here, I, I am going over, but I am worried that Dylan Brooks might um, view himself as kind of like the wing scorer on this team or something. Uh, so I, I don't know. I have yet to see what Dylan Brooks's shot diet's going to look like this year. Uh, as long as he just can somehow kind of stay within the team concept, I think Ime Odoka is a, a huge part of the over here. I think you're going from arguably the worst coast coach in the league to a guy who not that long ago had a case as like a top five coach in the league. And um, I just, I think it's really great to have this specific coach for this specific roster because mm-hmm. I don't think Udoka is going to have any problems telling Jalen Green or telling Amen Thompson or Jabari yeah. Smith some some hard truths about it actually what, worries me for their fantasy value. <laughs> right. So like I I I think he can legitimately tell those guys, you know, if you keep doing this, yeah, I'm not gonna play you as much. Like, you know, that type of thing. So um and and this team also just has so much size and athleticism, especially on the wing. 
you know, Amon Thompson's probably not going to win rookie of the year or anything like that this year, just because of how loaded that rookie of the year class is at the top. But like, I think he's just going to really make a name for himself as a rookie. And, you know, I I don't expect them to play guys like Cam Whitmore very much, uh, especially early in the season. I think they are going to try to win games. Uh, They're not going to really get in that playing tournament mix, but I don't think they're going to wave the white flag on that until it's, it's pretty clear the writings on the wall Mm -hmm. towards the end of the season. I'm going to go under uh, 31 and a half. I, I, I think they'll be better at you know, bringing in Van Vliet and bringing in Brooks. Like, you know, we, we can kind of quibble about the efficiency with Van Vliet. We can quibble about the personality with Dylan Brooks, but those guys are, are going to help you win games. I, I just, I, I still think in the hierarchy of the West, they're, they're probably a bottom three, maybe bottom four team for me. And that's going to be tough to get to at least 32. I, I think it'll be really close. Though. I would not be surprised if this one goes over it. You're totally right about Yudoka. Like I, I actually, I love the fit here. You know, I, I think obviously for a coach who, you know, has been to the NBA Finals, has had success early in his career. It's kind of a weird, you know, step down. You know, especially given what what happened to him last year. But I love the fit. Like I think this is exactly the type of coach, kind of the anti Steven Silas in a lot of ways. That's that's going to get these guys in line. I, I don't know if you've watched the Rockets much during the preseason. The Jalen Green shot selection has been alarming. He's making a lot of them, but like he's I, I don't know if he's he's just has been like grinding Nick Young tape. I mean, it's been it's been wild. It's it's been wild. They're going to be really fun to watch. Like, I think this this could be a top three if if you're just taking wins and losses out of the equation. Like this is going to be an extremely fun league pass team. And that's a big difference to me, at least from last year. Like I, you know, how much I couldn't stand watching Kevin Porter Jr. play basketball. Well, that getting rid of him, you know, circumstances aside, that is a plus. Yeah, it, it just it's really going to make a huge difference for their watchability, just knowing that he's not going to be the guy chucking the ball at the end of the shot clock or anything yep. like that. Um, so, yeah, I, I think they're one of the, the teams I'm most excited to watch. Mm-hmm. Dylan Brooks could assume that mantle, that Kevin Porter Jr. mantle, maybe not as much sort of on ball, but, um, you know, halfway through the shot clock, uh, you know, that, that could be an issue. But, I mean, I really hope this is here for Jalen Green. You know, Jabari Smith looked as as good as anyone in yep. summer league. I think Amon Thompson's looked as good as anyone in the preseason. So um, really excited about that young core. Let's go to the L.A. Clippers. 44 wins a year ago. Their number is at 45 and a half, James. This is the this is the lowest Clippers win total of the Paul George, Kawhi Leonard era. And I think that makes sense. You know, I, I almost feel like we are we're in like the Zion Williamson territory now with the Clippers where, you know, the last couple of years, there's always somebody who was willing to buy in and be like, man, if they're healthy, they still might be that team. And it, it feels like it, most people have kind of jumped off of that Island now. Yeah. Why would this be, why would they be getting healthier as they get older? Uh, I don't know. So that, you know, that's kind of, I'm just not going to be the sucker that expects Kawhi and Paul George to play 60 games a piece. Uh, throw out 65 or 70 but like if if Kawhi Leonard played 60 games this year I think they would go over this but um I just don't think you should be betting on that and I think the fact that the Clippers have been unwilling to kind of mortgage more of their future around these guys Mm. is a sign that you know maybe they're not sold on really having these massive names as a part of this team entering that new building. I know everyone always cites the new arena as like, well, they're, they're not going to get rid of these guys. They need them for the new arena. I mean, if this is just an old ass team that is going to win 40 games, people aren't going to show out to the arena just because they recognize the name. So um, 
I don't think they're just going to keep digging themselves a hole here if it becomes really obvious they're not uh, true title contenders with this group. Yeah, I mean, while acknowledging that if health does break their way, and that we're, we're speaking relatively there, I think you make a good point that, like, you know, a good health season for Kawhi and Paul George is like 62 games apiece. And but by the way, George has like sneakily missed more time than Kawhi yeah. over the last four years. Like it's it's not like it's just Kawhi. I think we talked about him. Like he's he's basically been like 50 to 55 games. And I, I expect that to be the case again this year. Like, it'll look great early on. It'll, you know, something will pop up and he'll be in and out the rest of the year. That's just kind of what it is at this point uh, in his career. But yeah, George is the guy that's actually had, you know, these, these kind of like, you know, several weeks, several months type of injuries that have really killed them. And I, I also don't love the supporting cast here. I, I just the Terrence Mann thing no. is so bizarre to me. He, he played like 20 minutes a game off the bench last year. He's 27 years old. Like, why, why, why are we, why are we propping up Terrence Mann as if he's this untouchable asset? Like, I was, I was joking with Alex on the pod a couple of weeks ago. It's like, it's like they had a meeting and we're just like, could we try to convince everybody that Terrence Mann is awesome? Like, I, I know, I know you were a fan of him like earlier in his career, but like, why is his value really that high around the league, I, or is this just the Clippers I, trying to try to pump him up? I just think if you're the Sixers or whatever team is thinking about trading with the Clippers you don't want any of the other guys. It's not even that you're like, oh man, we really got to get our, get our hands on Terrence Mann, but I think every team would take Terrence Mann sure. and plug him into their rotation. Whereas I think, you know, maybe you don't want um, Norman Powell or Robert Covington on their current deals um, as yeah. much. It's more kind of dead salary, whereas Mann fits into other teams' rotations. I, I think it's, it, the funniest thing about it is it's not even like Ty Lue loves Terrence Mann. Ty Lue plays him like 28 minutes a game. So Less than that. Yeah, less than that. So he was 20, 23 minutes a game last year. It's, and he it's didn't little, even start half of his appearances. It's not a good supporting cast. I think that's really important to point out because even just a year ago, people would tell you this was the deepest team in the league. Hell and no. I think everyone kind of realizes uh, all these guys are pretty much over the hill except for yeah. Kawhi and Paul George. Uh, the shooting is really pretty bad. Like if they start Westbrook, Zubach, and Mann, that's Terrence Mann is your third best shooter. Um, just yeah, it's 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 kind of shaky. Even if those guys do stay healthy, there's been an alarming reliance on Nick Batum the last couple of years for the Clippers, who is like basically washed up by the time he left Charlotte. And you know, credit to him for for kind of salvaging the the final years of his career, but. Man, like that, that guy should not be giving you 20 minutes a night. That's just that's just not the recipe to, to win 45-plus games. Um, last thing on the Clippers, it, was there any thought to, okay, what if a James Harden trade happens a week from now? Does that it, does that give them a significant boost? Do you really feel any differently about this team? I, I don't really uh, because I assume they would, have, they would have Westbrook and Harden back together on the same team. Um, Harden would make their defense worse it would really compromise the amount of lineups they could actually play Westbrook in and get away with it. Uh, I think it would just really, you know, at this stage of their careers, I, I think you'd rather just have Kawhi Leonard initiating offense instead of James Harden. So whenever Harden's initiating it, Leonard is just kind of sitting there with his hands on his knees. And whenever Leonard's initiating it, Harden's hanging out at half court. So I don't love it that much from a basketball fit standpoint either. And they'd be giving up a rotation player at least uh, to get Harden. All right, let's go to the Lakers. 43 wins a year ago. The number is 46 and a half. I, I always approach this team with caution. I think a lot of the same things that we said about the Clippers and a lot of the same things we said about the Warriors also apply 
to the LA Lakers. You, you got to estimate 20 missed games for LeBron at this point. We've been doing that for Anthony Davis for a long time, but I, I do think with somewhat limited flexibility, uh, the Lakers had about as close to a home run offseason as they could have had. They, they still have some flexibility uh, as far as what they could do with the D'Angelo Russell contract at some point this season. I think the expectation remains that they probably try to cash that in for an upgrade at some point. Uh, you know, I've, I've heard a lot of a lot of rhetoric around the Lakers, James, that, you know, oh, if LeBron and Davis, you know, they, they missed 15, 20 games, like they could survive without them. Like that, I, I don't quite know that the supporting cast is that good. You know, I, I don't think, let's say LeBron and Davis missed 10 games, you know, like together. They're, they're both out for those 10 games. Like, I don't think the Lakers are going seven and three in that span. Like you, you take those guys away. This is still not a very good roster. Uh, but the emergence of Austin Reeves obviously gives them a, a pretty high end third option. You know, D'Angelo Russell for all of his faults is, is okay. If he's your fourth or fifth guy in the starting lineup. So I'm, I'm okay with that, but um, I, I still do worry about the, the health of LeBron and Davis. Nonetheless, I'm going over here. I, I think last year felt like it really couldn't have been any worse for the Lakers health wise. So yeah, even if you even if you're 10 to 15 percent healthier this year, I think that's probably enough to get to 47. Yeah, this is one of my favorite bets in the West. The over on the Lakers here uh, at 46 and a half. I the only way they go under to me is just you know big time injuries to AD more so than LeBron. Like yes. I think they I think they can go 500 in games. LeBron doesn't play as long as AD's out there. Uh, but if you take AD away, their defense just completely crumbles. Um, I kind of like AD for defense player of the year. Uh, I think, you know, I think it's all just, you have to kind of look at this team as just sort of from when they traded Russ last year on as just, that was a different team than the team they had before they traded Russ. Uh, not only did you get him out of there and he was a, a huge net negative by the time they traded him, but Austin Reeves, fully ascends after you get rid of Russ. So, um, you know, I love, <clears throat> I love the role that Reeves is going to be in this year. I think Rui Hachimura is in a really good place. Uh, you know, he's not going to be asked to do too much on this team might give them a, a bit more defensively than we've seen in the past from him. Uh, obviously I'm, you know, I don't like the way Russell plays, but I think he's a, a fine caretaker as sort of like a second ball handler or even a, a first ball handler when, when LeBron and Reeves are off the court. So um, I just, I think this is a, a really, really uh, strong roster minus the Christian Wood addition. I, even at the minimum, I think you just kind of keep them away from, from your team. Uh, but apart from that, I just, I think they killed it. Yeah. I, I don't understand the Christian Wood thing. I, I, I get, you know, you just want to bring in the talent, but I don't know how many times we need to go through this with him. I mean, my hope is he's not really in the rotation. I, I don't think they need him to be, you know, so I, I think that's, it's one thing to bring him into Dallas and be like, all right, you're our third option. Like we're, we're going to need to play you 28 minutes a night. Like we're, with the Lakers, I think he's going to be getting a decent amount of DNPs. So from, from that perspective, I think it's okay. But yeah, I didn't love that either. I don't know why, you know, Cam Reddish, I, I'm not sure why he's on this roster either. I don't think he's going to make uh, much of an impact, but this is, this is the rare LeBron team that I think is built to, to succeed in the regular season. And then, you know, kind of condense that rotation and hopefully make some upgrades uh, prior to the postseason. But yeah, if, if LeBron gives you 65 games and Davis gives you around 65 games, I think this is a pretty easy over for the Lakers. Um, all right, let's do the Grizzlies. 51 wins a year ago, 46 and a half is the number for Memphis. Uh, it's juiced. Uh, is that juiced pretty heavily to the under James minus minus one fifty eight to the under yeah. We are both going under. Uh, I 
I always approach the Grizzlies with caution because they're well coached. They found ways to win games without John Morant the last couple of years. We, we know all about that, but you know, now they're without Steven Adams for the entire season, which is kind of a big deal. You know, I, I obviously you got Jaron Jackson there defensively, but that puts a lot now on, you know, Santi Aldama, Xavier Tillman, David Roddy, some of these guys who've been up and down the last couple of years, not a lot of experience there. Um, you know, I, I love Desmond Bain for fantasy. I, I actually kind of like this landing spot for Marcus Smart. I think he kind of fits what they want to do, but you take away John Morant for basically a third of the season. You take away uh, another starter in Steven Adams for the entire season. And it, it's, it's hard for me to, to see this as a team that's, you know, kind of anywhere in the ballpark of 50 wins. And if, if you're going over here, you're talking, you know, 47, 48 wins. I, I don't think that happens. I just don't think they have quite enough talent. Um, and, and, you know, part of this applies to, to kind of what we said about Dallas, where it's not, it's not like I'm off Memphis. I, I'm just kind of on, you know, some of the other teams in the West getting better and, and making some of those wins more difficult to come by. Yeah, I don't think they changed the actual line after the Steven Adams injury. So that's why the juice is so insane. Like they just kind of changed the juice. They didn't change the 46 and a half. Um, I'm, I think I was going to go over on 46 and a half before the Adams injury, but it just feels like they've, they've lost one too many guys here. Um, you know, they're really kind of digging – you know, Xavier Tillman's a, you know, he's a fine backup option. It's, it's nice that they have him, um, but it's just going to be way too much Xavier Tillman at the end of the day. And Jaron Jackson really needs that center next to him to, to really kind of flourish defensively. Um, I, it, it's kind of a bummer because I do like some of the players on, like, I think Zaire Williams is, is poised for kind of a, a mini breakout year. I think he has looked really good in the, the preseason. Um, you know, I like the idea of Kenneth Lofton Jr. getting like 15 minutes off the bench. I think that would be uh, awesome TV. But now that Adams is injured, you might be seeing Lofton like need to play 20 minutes off the bench, which I don't think you really want to be in that position. So I like some of the players. It's just they've, they've lost too many guys here, I think, to, to keep the number here at 46 and a half. Okay, before we move on to the Minnesota Timberwolves, got some messages to pass along from our wonderful sponsors. That begins with Underdog. Underdog Fantasy is the number one platform for NBA best ball and DFS player pickup contests. If you have not tried Underdog yet, new users at Underdog can receive a first-time deposit bonus up to 500 bucks and a free six-month subscription to Rotowire. You just have to use the promo code RWNBA at sign up. That is RWNBA. Visit underdogfantasy.com or download the Underdog app today. Fantastic interface on that app, by the way. Love using it. Uh, and make sure to use that promo code RWNBA to claim your free six-month Rotowire subscription, as well as that deposit bonus up to 500 bucks. Vivid Seats. The NBA season is here. And on behalf of our friends at Vivid Seats, let's get one thing clear. Nothing, nothing, James Anderson, beats seeing your favorite team crush it on the court to the sound of thousands of screaming fans. Every dunk, every dribble, and every heart-pounding play from your favorite team live and in person. And because Vivid Seats is the only ticketing company where you can earn rewards on every purchase, you can score amazing deals and unrivaled annual awards all season long. Plus, with a 100% buyer guarantee, you can be sure your ticket will be as legit as your love for the game. Visit VividSeats.com or download their app today and use the promo code ROTOWIRE, R-O-T-O-W-I-R-E, That'll get you $20 off your first $200 ticket purchase. Again, that promo code is R-O-T-O-W-I-R-E, Rotowire, for $20 off your first $200 ticket purchase. 
Download the app or visit VividSeats.com. Vivid Seats, experience it live. One final message from our friends at Rival Fantasy. LeBron versus Jordan, Magic versus Bird, Barkley versus McHale. Basketball is synonymous with legendary player rivalries. They make the game more fun, and they give fans the storylines that raise the stakes every time those players meet on the court or come up in conversation. Now every player matchup and head-to-head debate can be settled on Rival Fantasy. This NBA season, you can play challenges where you decide which NBA player will score more fantasy points in their next game, play the Rival Fantasy in-house challenges, or create your own and get a friend in the mix with customizable social challenges. You can sign up today at joinrival.com slash rotowire. If you do that right now, you'll get a $200 deposit match. Get in on this right now before the 2023-24 NBA season tips off. So you got like, I don't know, 26 hours at this point. It's time to step up to the challenge on Rival Fantasy. We'll see you in the arena. Again, go to joinrival.com slash rotowire. Get that $200 deposit match. All right, let's get back to it, James. The Minnesota Timberwolves, 42 wins a year ago. The number is sitting at 44 and a half. You're going under. I, I think I'm getting sucked back in here, James. I'm taking the over. Yeah, I'm, I feel uh, very scorned and uh, I just, I have no, I have no loyalty to this uh, Timberwolves team after uh, how disappointed I've been in, in them and uh, actually kind of two iterations of the Carl Anthony Towns Timberwolves. Um, I remember I was super high on them back when they had Jimmy Butler mm-hmm. and that obviously uh, did not work out. And I was super high on them last year after they got Rudy Gobert. But, you know, I think getting rid of D'Angelo Russell for Mike Conley, I think that was a huge way of of maybe giving this a chance because I just don't think it was going to work with Russell there. Um, but they also just haven't solved the biggest issue here, and that's the lack of space for Anthony Edwards. I, you know, everyone keeps talking about him possibly ascending to, you know, being kind of like a true superstar. Uh, I think he might be ready to do that in the right situation. I just don't know why this is the right situation. Even though Jade McDaniels, Carlton Towns can stretch the floor, it's still just too much size. It's going to be clogging things up too much, especially when Gobert's out there with a couple other bigs. And like five of their eight best players are bigs. So, you know, I know they have to trade somebody uh, sooner than later just to kind of make all the contracts fit long term. I would think that Towns or Gobert would be that guy. Uh, probably Towns, just because you're not going to get anything back for Gobert. But I just, the way things are right now, I just think it's going to be too crowded. I don't think they really solved their biggest issue last year, which was just Mm -hmm. a a lack of spacing. And I know they're going to try to win as many games as possible. So I think it's going to be right in the middle here, right? Kind of low 40s to mid 40s. But I just can't trust this team uh, after what they did last year. Totally fair, especially the point of just, stockpiling big men and, you know, signing Nas Reed to an extension to basically be your like third center. I, I don't didn't really totally get that, but you know, he's been good for them off the bench the last couple of years. I, I don't like the guard depth and I, I have questions about the wing depth as well. Like, you know, Kyle Anderson can kind of float between both of those spots, which is nice. And I actually like bringing in shake Milton, but like Nikhil Alexander Walker, not, not really doing it for me. 
Uh, you know, I don't don't love a lot of the options they have at point guard. I know Jordan McLaughlin's been been fine the last couple of years, but I think they I think they could have used some upgrades, um, you know, around this roster. Like you know, Troy Brown is somebody that they're going to bring in, and he's probably going to play real minutes for them. Hasn't really found an NBA home yet. Didn't love what he gave the Lakers last year. I you know, part of the reason I'm going over, and I, I don't think it's by much, but there's there's been no reason to to think that Anthony Edwards isn't going to play like 75 games, if not more. Like he's been you know as close to like an 80 game player as it gets in the modern NBA. And like, if your best player who you think could take a, a big step forward in year four, if he's out there for you every night, I, I think that gives you an advantage over a lot of teams where we're talking about their stars playing 55 to 60 games. So I, I, I do think the, you know, the Timberwolves care about the regular season more than other teams. I think they will be healthier than other teams. Um, and I also look at last year, last season as kind of a worst case scenario for towns. And I know he's had a couple of these seasons, so it's not like, you know, 29 games a year ago is a, is a total one-off. He played 35 uh, in 2019-20, he played 50 the year after, uh, after after being this like complete Ironman the first four years of his career. It, it kind of feels like it could go either way now. But I also think he probably plays 60-plus games. Like He's not playing 29 again, and, and that would be big for Minnesota. Are, are you totally out on Gobert? Like, I, I've actually been scooping him up into fantasy leagues because the price is just so low. I mean, you could get him, you can get him in the late 60s and the 70s in some leagues, and you know that's essentially where he finished last year. He was right around like 65 overall in Roto Leagues. I, I feel like the shot blocking has to come around. Like he's just, there's just no evidence to suggest that he's ever been like a 1.4 blocks per game guy. Like he was a season ago. Um, but are, are you just completely avoiding him in fantasy? Uh, I'm not completely avoiding him, but I, I think this team is just better when only one of those guys is out there. And yeah. so I think like, you know, the whole Carl Anthony Towns is going to be healthier. Well, that just tells me that they're going to be, ineffective in those minutes where they have to play those guys together. Um, it's just, it's too clunky, you know, on offense, there's nowhere to put Rudy Gobert other than the paint or use him in the pick and roll. But like, I think Edwards would much rather just create and beat his man, but then Gobert's man sitting there waiting for him in the paint. And then on defense, Carl Anthony Towns asking him to guard, asking one of those two to guard, you know, the, the four on the other mm -hmm. team, if, if they can dribble at all, it's just a total mess. So um, I just, I would like this team more if they sold cat or go bear for 60 cents on the dollar, just to kind of free yeah. things up. The New Orleans Pelicans, 42 wins a season ago, 44 and a half is the number for New Orleans. We're both going under here, James. I, I, I really like this team. I like a lot of the pieces. I, I liked it last year. Um, you know, part of it is, the, the inherent lack of trust in, in Zion Williamson staying healthy. Um, but I, I, there's just, I don't know. There's, there's something kind of missing with this team. And, and again, maybe Zion, you know, covers up for a lot of that if he's out there for, for 55 plus games, but I, I don't know if we can count on that whatsoever. Um, you know, I think, I think CJ McCollum's best years are behind him for the most part. I, I, I like Brandon Ingram, but this is also a roster that to me is like devoid of a, a true, you know, perennial, no doubter type of all-star. Like they, they have a couple of guys that are borderline each year and, and Zion is, is likely that guy if he plays enough games. But um, I, I also come back to the fact that like we, do we know for sure that Zion is like a, a no doubt winning player? You know, like there's, there's, there's been a lot of positives as far as like the counting stats for fantasy and uh, you know, started to show a little bit more as a passer before he got hurt uh, two seasons ago. But uh, I, I still think a, a lot of the numbers that he's put up, I wouldn't say they're empty numbers, but I, I don't know that he's been an, an overwhelmingly winning player, even when he's been on the court. I think, I think he is a winning player when he's out there. Okay. I think that they showed that last year. I mean, they were just one of the best teams in the, the conference whenever he was healthy. 
Um, and I might have been able to talk myself into the over here if Trey Murphy was fully healthy, but mm-hmm. he's such a huge piece for them uh, because this is just not a good shooting team. You have McCollum. Uh, Ingram is, you know, he's a good scorer, but I don't think he's, you know, he's not at his best when he's just stretching in the corner or something like that. Yep. Uh, nobody's going to respect Herb Jones. You, you want Valanciunas shooting. You want Zion shooting. So not having that that other shooter out there with McCollum, I think, is a, is a big issue early in the season. And, um, you know, again, I, even when all the guys are healthy, like I don't think Zion and Ingram are good fits together. I don't think Zion and Valanciunas are good fits together. So it's not like all the pieces here just make the, the whole roster, you know, sing. I think there's some really talented players on this roster. They've had some good picks over the years. But, uh, yeah, I think it's just – it's such a crowded West – you're kind of looking for reasons to go under with some of these teams. And I think there's plenty of reasons with the Pelican. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. Um, you know, a lot of the pieces that you ran through again, like we, we like these guys. I, I like Herb Jones, like even, you know, someone like Najee Marshall has given them decent minutes and, you know, they, they still have Larry Nance to, to give you 18 good minutes off the bench. Like I, I like what the team is. I, I just, we saw two sides of them through the kind of the first half of last season, right? I mean, they were number one in the West uh, around Christmas, right? They were 18 and eight to begin the year. And then you fast forward a month and a half and they're 26 and 27. You know, like I, I those are just two completely different faces of this team. Like I, I don't, I don't think good teams, you know, have a, a random like 11 game losing streak uh, in the middle of January and February. Like that, that, that just doesn't happen. Like there's still, there's still something missing with this team. And, and, you know, again, I'll say it for like the fourth time, like maybe, maybe if Zion stays healthy, that, that cures all evils for this team. And I, look, I, I think if he, if he plays 65 games then they're going over, I, I think that's going to be the case, but I, I don't really know how you can have any level of confidence uh, that that Zion Williamson is going to make it through this season, like let alone even give you 50 games, right? I mean, what, what would you set the over under at for <laughs> games played for Zion this season with the context that he has played 24, 61, zero and 29 over four seasons? I would set it at 41 and a half. Um, I think that's fair. And I would say that betting the under on the Zion Pelicans has been extremely profitable since he got into the mm-hmm. league. Okay. Well, we we got a comment in the stream that says, let's stop talking about the Pelicans. They're <laughs> mid-team unless their star is available, and he never is, which sums it up pretty good. Uh, so I think we will move on. The OKC Thunder, James, this will be a fun one. 40 wins last year, 44 and a half is the win total. Everybody's going over on the Thunder. Is, is there any – any reason here that, that we would fade the public because I'm, I'm taking the bait and going over. Yeah. I mean, I do feel a little bit like a sucker for just jumping aboard. You know, everyone is going over here, like you said. So often that's kind of a, a red flag that, you know, Vegas is really going to clean up on the under, but man, I just, I love this uh, roster so much. Um, you know, they are very, very young like you rarely see teams that are this young win mid forties games. Um, But I mean, the players are just so good. Very few teams this young have a legitimate first team, all NBA caliber player like Shea Gilchrist Alexander. And then, you know, having Jalen Williams and Chet complimenting him and um, you know, a guy like Lou Dort who just, he has a role. He's not going to try to take more shots this year or anything like that. Um, it's just it's such a nice collection of young talent and i think we haven't seen sga's best year 
we haven't seen any of these guys best year except maybe Dort. Um, so I'm I'm really excited. Uh, I don't think there's any reason for this team to pump the brakes at all in terms of you know resting guys. They were still doing a little bit of that last year. Um, just kind of being more conservative than than the average team. It, it felt like, but. Mm-hmm. I think they can get a top six seed and I don't think they're ever going to be out of touch from that area of the, the playoff bracket. So I don't see why they wouldn't try. Yeah. I mean, they were a 500 team with about 10 games to go and, and stumbled a little bit at the end to, to finish right at 40. Um, so I mean, they essentially were, were in the ballpark of this number a season ago and you know, you're bringing back basically everybody you're expecting anything from a mild to a significant step forward from all of the key young players on this team and we haven't even mentioned Chet Holmgren, who looks like he's going to be a plus right away. Now, I I, I do have some concerns about the depth behind Holmgren, and I, I think he could be an injury liability in his own right. Um, but it, it's still just a huge upgrade from what they've been rolling out at center. Like, they've basically ignored the center position for the last three or four years. And even if Chet Holmgren gets pushed around, even if he misses some time, even if he's you know not playing 35 minutes a night, like, it's still a just massive upgrade over the essential, like, G League talent that you were starting at the five for the last couple of years. So I think he's going to make a huge difference right away. I would like them to bring in like some sort of veteran behind him who weighs more than like 185 pounds like that. That to me still worries me. It's like, who, who on this team guards Joel Embiid? I don't know. I I guess it's Holmgren to start the year and look, you know, playing the Sixers specifically is not going to, you know, sink your, your over under win total. But I, I do think there are still some, some parts of this roster that need to be shored up, but it's hard to poke holes in the core of, of SGA, Giddy, Dort, Chad Holmgren, and, and Jalen Williams, who I know is uh, one of both both yours and mine, uh, you know, favorite young players in the NBA. Like he's he's so good. He is so good. I, I think of all of all like the second year guys uh, who were excited to watch this season. Like he is he's number one on my list, and I it's it's awesome to see him play and grow with this young core. But um, it, it, there's part of me is also like, is he going to be the fourth option on a lot of nights? Like I, I'd almost rather see him in a bigger role. But he's if I mean he's already it feels like overqualified to fill that spot. Yeah, I thought it was very challenging in fantasy drafts this year because I just had to separate how much I love Jalen Williams, the player, versus his role on this team. Right. It's just it's hard to see there being enough meat on the bone for all these guys to be worth the the fantasy price tag they had this year. Uh, but yeah, I mean Jalen Williams, like he's just such a lock to be you know, at least kind of like a fringe all-star level player for about a decade here. He just does everything well. Um, Just love the length, love the defensive versatility. And I love the fact that they're going with Chet at the five. I mean, not like you said, they don't have a ton of options really, but I just love that they're going with their five best guys and not, not really messing around. I think this would be my number one league pass team. Yeah. Rockets will be up there, but this is yeah. this is a pretty clear number one, and I, I think that'll be the case for a lot of people. Uh, all right, we got five more, James. Let's go to the Phoenix Suns. 45 wins a year ago. 51 and a half is the number for Phoenix. We're both going over here. I, I'm i just kind of falling back on the talent. You know, I, I think when you when you have three all-NBA players on the same team, you, you're going to have a decent amount of upside. That goes without saying. Now, of course, Kevin Durant is is one of those guys who could miss anywhere from like 20 to 50 games. You know, Booker missed some time last year. Brad Beal has missed big chunks of time the last two years. I, I, the Beal thing, I'm like, I'm not that worried about. Like, I, I think part of it was just the situation and uh, just some kind of fluky stuff with him. Um, but but Durant is is the the one who really worries me. I I, I lean over here, uh, but but I, I 
also could see this number being a, a couple wins lower just because like is is Phoenix going to push to win games in the regular season like or is this one of those teams that we have to say all right they're they're so focused on the title that you know they, they, they don't really care if they win 48 games 52 games 56 games uh you know the line was originally 52 and a half on FanDuel and it went down to 51 and a half and I actually switched from an under on 52 and a half to an over on 51 and a half so that's kind of how close I think it is with this line um you know maybe just if they were kind of cruising to like the third seed or the fourth seed or something maybe they wouldn't care that much if they won 50 games or 53 games but I just think in the West, it's going to be there's going to be something for them to play for. Uh, I don't think Matt Ishbia has any interest in just kind of coasting into the playoffs with like the four seed and missing out on that that second round home court advantage. Um, so I I think they'll just try to win as many games as they can while being smart with those three players from a usage standpoint. And um, if they just I think you can project Booker. I know Booker and Beal both, you know, they're not like 82 game guys, but I feel comfortable projecting those guys for 65 games or so. Booker, maybe even like 70 games. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it could be worse luck than that, but I just think he's in his physical prime right now. Uh, I don't want to be too overreactionary and, and say that these guys are only, only going to play 60 games. Durant, I think, is the bigger risk there, but. Um, even if you just kind of get to sort of 55 games out of Durant and the other two are relatively healthy, I just think they have too much firepower. They're going to blow a lot of teams out when they're fully healthy and not have to play these guys a ton in the fourth quarter. So, um, you know, I, I I like them more, I think, in the regular season than in the postseason. I think like Warriors, Lakers, Suns, it's going to be really interesting to see which of those teams looks the best heading into the postseason. But regular season-wise, I just think it's too much firepower. I, I like the depth that they added with Grayson Allen and even Eric Gordon, who is just like, this, this is like the perfect time in his career for him to just kind of chill out, be like the seventh man and, and, you know, give you a couple 20 point nights every, every now and then the big concern for me is center. And I I'm, I'm willing to, I'm willing to meet in the middle on this with, with some people and say that like, you know, Nurkic and, and Aiton is like somewhat of a wash just because the vibes were so bad with Deandre Aiton that I, even though I think he's a better player and, and certainly a healthier and, and like better bet night to night, that they just needed to get him out of there. Like that was pretty clear. Like he was just not coming back no matter what. Like I, I don't think Devin Booker was, was ever interested in playing another game with DeAndre Ayton. So in some ways the Suns' hand was forced, but I mean, Nurkic has missed a ton of time. He's kind of a wild card on both ends. He was watching their preseason game the other night. Um, I forget. It was against the Lakers. Yeah. It was the, the LeBron KD game. He went one of 11 from the field. It's the preseason, but still not ideal uh, from a big man. Like center to me is, is a big, big question mark for this team because you know, behind Nurkic, it's it's what like Chemezi Metu, Drew Eubanks, Bull Bull, uh, like that that that's a pretty glaring hole for this team. Yeah, it, it'll be a it'll be a good test case to sort of see how much that matters in in a regular season setting. Obviously, I I have concerns about how they would hold up going against any quality big man in the playoffs, but I just think they're going to space everyone out as much as they possibly can and the mismatches on their defensive end of the court, maybe in the front court, I think you're going to see just as bad a mismatches on the opposite end because how many teams can even hope to guard two of these guys with on-ball defenders? You know, it's just going to be such a challenge. 
The Portland Trailblazers, 33 wins a year ago. The number is down to 27 and a half for obvious reasons. Uh, Damian Lillard now in Milwaukee. Uh, Malcolm Brogdon still technically on this team. I think at some point they'll they'll cash that asset in. Uh, but but we're looking at a likely starting five of Scoot Henderson, Anthony Simons, Matisse Thibel slash Shaded Sharp, Jeremy Grant, DeAndre Ayton. I, I like a lot of these names. I, I love this as kind of a you know like reclamation spot for DeAndre Ayton to to, to kind of you know, be able to get away from that Phoenix situation and and try to grow into the player that that the Suns thought he could become as the number one overall pick, even if he kind of stays the same, I, I think he's still an above average center uh, right now and, and should, you know, continue to improve uh, you know, incrementally over these next couple of years. Uh, you got Robert Williams is just kind of a, a bonus player now coming over from Boston. Um, you know, some other young players that, that, that we're keeping an eye on. Uh, but once you get beyond that, that top six or so I'm going under on 27 and a half for Portland. Like I, I think this would be a really fun team. I cannot wait to watch scoot night to night. Um, I, I, just, I don't know that there are a ton of winning players on this roster. I think there are a lot of guys that are going to put up numbers. There are a lot of guys who could grow into becoming winning players uh, as their careers go along. But like, e- even if Scoot hits the ground running and like wins rookie of the year, it's like how many rookie guards, you know, end up being like, you know, really impactful in terms of wins and losses. Like e- even the best rookie guards typically um, you know, don't, don't help you a ton there. So I, I think this is going to be a fun team. I think we're going to feel good about the direction that they're moving. Um, but I, I, I kind of view them like in the same vein as, as like last year's Rockets, but, you know, minus minus some of the troubles. Yeah, I, I just – I agree with everything you said. I think they're going to lose the most games in the West. Um, you know, even guys like Jeremy Grant aren't sort of established winning players. And right. I think they will trade Jeremy Grant this season before the deadline as long as they can get off his yep. contract without having to attach something. Um it, it seemed kind of obvious that their front office was uh, kind of upset about Damian Lillard's timing on that one. Um, might not have given Jeremy Grant that same contract if they'd known uh, what was going to happen there. So uh, Malcolm Brogdon, kind of same thing. I just assume he won't be on this team after the trade deadline. Uh, just yeah, I think they're going to lose a ton of games. It's it's like a great roster to take over oh, yeah. as like a general manager because of all the assets and young pieces and stuff. But winning games is not a priority for this team. No, they'll be a very fun 2K team. No question about that. I'm, I'm looking forward to some like 40-point nights from Anthony Simons. But uh, ultimately, this is the it's the lowest number in the Western Conference at 27 and a half. And um, you know, as we talked about in, in the East pod, like it's not – it's not a firm rule, but usually every year you have, you know, two, three, sometimes four teams that are in that like 22 and under zone in terms of wins. And I think if you, if you got to pick a team out of the West, uh, Portland has to be one of the, the top two or three contenders. Uh, another team that could be in that mix, James, and we're, we're going head to head on this one, the San Antonio Spurs, 22 wins a year ago, 28 and a half is the number you're going over. I'm going under on 28 and a half wins. Yeah. It's just, it's such a low number to me. Um, for how good of a rookie season I think Wembenyama is going to have, uh, you know, he could have, this could be one of the best uh, defensive rookie seasons we've ever seen. And uh, like, I, I think he could be like top five defensive player of the year as a rookie. Uh, just, he just changes the geometry on that end of the court so much. Um, I think that, you know, I, I just don't think there's going to be any um, motivation here 
to worry about draft picks. They're going to pick high in the draft. I think it's more like Wembenyama is really competitive. And I think they would benefit more from just kind of showing some signs this year and showing that guys like Jeremy Sohan and, and Devin Vassell and Keldon Johnson, like are players that they can build around. Um, so I just, I don't really see the motivation for them to really tank. They're, they're going to end up with a, with a high pick regardless. And I think they're just going to, they'll be careful with Wembenyama. Like, I don't think he's going to play 75 games, but I do think he'll play 65 plus games because getting rookie of the year is presumably important to him and the team. I think you're right about Wembenyama. And I mean, I continue to be more and more impressed with each passing preseason game, right? Like coming out of summer league, it was like, all right, you, you totally understand it. You get why uh, he's as hyped as he is, but like, he's looked like, he's looked like a completely different player in the preseason. He looks bigger to me. He looks more confident. Uh, he looks better on the defensive end. He looks like a, a little bit more athletic, um, you know, not, not, you know, not kind of as many plays where he's getting pushed around. So I'm, I'm very high on what he could bring them. I think he's a, a clear winning player right away. Um, I, I just don't know that they have a ton of others, you know, like Keldon Johnson to me, like he'll, he'll get his numbers. I, I don't know that he's a, a great asset at this point. I'm, I am, uh, you know, curious to see how the, the Jeremy Sohan point guard experiment works. That doesn't exactly scream to me like team that's winning 35 games is starting Jeremy Sohan at the point. Um, and I, I, again, I don't love the depth here either. And that's, that's just going to be inherently the case when you're yeah. you know, talking about a team that might win 25 games. But I mean, beyond that, that top five of, of Sohan, uh, Vassell, Johnson, Webinyama, Zach Collins, and you can even throw Trey Jones in there. He's solid. But after that, I mean, you, you got a bunch of guys who, you know, are kind of borderline roster players in, in a lot of ways. So I, you know, if Webinyama plays 65 to 70 games, which I, that's on the high end for sure. I think they'll push for this. But if he gets hurt at any point, if they are a little bit more aggressive than we're expecting in terms of the rest with Webinyama, um, like I, I think everybody, including Webinyama, knows that there are no expectations for this season. Sometimes that can be good for a young team and they'll, they'll exceed uh, whatever those expectations are as low as they may be. Um, but I also think there's this kind of this like organizational understanding that like, Oh, it's, it's okay if we're bad this season. And I don't know. I, I think that could kind of seep into the roster. I mean, you're, you're doing a pretty good job at convincing me. I, it's a tough line. Uh, I mean, man, women, Yama just looks so good. It's, but yeah, there's, there's only so many wins to go around and there's, really only one team that is in my mind clearly worse than them in the west so it's a tough one um i think i might actually switch i think you've oh. convinced me i'm i'm okay. changing my mind here all right we got our first switch uh, of the podcast so we are now both on the under for the spurs at 28 and a half all right two more the sacramento kings uh, and then we will finish out with the jazz 48 wins a year ago for sacramento Interesting number here, 44 and a half. That is the same number as the Timberwolves, as the Pelicans, as the Oklahoma City Thunder. So that's, that's kind of the zone that we're looking at for the Kings. I, I, I feel like I'm walking into a trap here, James, but I'm going over. I mean, you took the words out of my mouth. I feel like this might be an even more sucker over than the Thunder one. Um, everyone knows how historically healthy this team was last year. Uh so, I mean, it, it's obvious, you know, it makes sense in that sense that it would be a lower over-under than what they won last year, despite the, the youth of the, the core of this roster. Uh, but I just think the pieces fit really well. I They might not be the number one offense in the league like they were last year, but I don't see why they wouldn't be top five. And, I mean, Keegan Murray, there's a chance he takes a step and, and kind of joins Fox and Sabonis to make this kind of a, a real – 
good young big three where the pieces just really fit. Um, I like that they didn't really do anything to, to sacrifice offense for defense this offseason. I think that they're they're kind of who they are as a team is just this run and gun team. So I like that they didn't really change that up. And I think they've got good coaching. Um, so I just think there's enough here that they go over, but it it doesn't it's not one I'm that happy about. No, I mean, I, I don't feel great about it just because the number strikes me as so low. But, you know, I, I think for a team that 148, you, you do still feel like you're getting a discount. So it goes both ways. The health thing is number one for me. And you said they were historically healthy last year. That is absolutely true. And to put that in context, like their top eight minute getters last year missed 30 total games, total among eight players. I mean, that is that is wild. So it's, it's not like just Fox and Sabonis were healthy. It's like pretty much everybody that was contributing on a night-to-night basis played almost the entire season for the Kings. So they're, they're not going to have that kind of luck this time around. You know, obviously if Fox plays 50 games and Sabonis plays 60, uh, they're probably going to go under. But I, I also think, you know, those are guys that don't have like super concerning injury histories. I, I think, you know, Sabonis has dealt with like kind of random, like, yeah, like a hand injury. Like it's not like he's a, you know, a guy who came into the league, uh, you know, with, with severe foot and ankle issues. So I, I don't, I, I the, the, the argument against them, you know, playing or fewer than 70 games is just saying that the luck will come around. And, you know, I, I buy into that to some degree, but I, I also think this is a team that, you know, senses that it, it built some real momentum last year. I mean, we, we talked about Denver having a great home court advantage. Sacramento's right there. I mean, in terms of like, you know, how the fact that that was almost yeah. a college atmosphere for most of last season, I, I think they're going to be fired up to do the same thing this year. And I don't think they want to fall off. You know, I, I almost look at, I look at Sacramento, like the same way we looked at Memphis, a couple of years ago when they, yeah. they had a better than expected season. And you're like, all right, you know, are, are they going to fall back down and, and be a 40 win team this year? And then they just did it again, you know, despite John Morant missing a bunch of time. Now, I, I don't know that Sacramento has that same level of depth. You know, Memphis was getting contributions all over the place. You know, there's no real, no real major additions this off season. Like you're bringing in Sasha uh, Bezenkoff from, from, from Europe, you know, a, a guy who's had a ton of success. Uh, in the Euro League, I, I think in, in theory should be kind of a plug and play guy off the bench. I'm excited to see what he looks like. Uh, they they kind of bought low on Chris Duarte, uh, somebody that that their GM and, and their owners have had their eye on reportedly. So you know, to me, that's kind of a wash. But um, you know, I I think if, if they have even like B level health this season, you know, you're not going to get 30 missed games from your top eight. But um, as long as there's not a, a complete catastrophe uh, in terms of injuries, I, I feel pretty good about them going over. Yeah, and I, they might do something at the deadline, too, to yep. upgrade the Harrison Barnes spot. So, um, yeah, I, I like that comp to, to Memphis, actually. That, yeah. that makes a lot of sense to me, especially just coaching and effort. Like, they're going to out-hustle a lot of teams and outrun a lot of teams during the regular season to easy wins. They're also going to out-care a lot of teams. Yeah, right. Like they're, like, if you just like care they're... about every game, that's right. an edge in the regular season. That is that is a massive edge when you're talking about <laughs> win totals. Like, they're, they're going to out-care – the, the Nuggets, the Suns, the Clippers, the Warriors, the Lakers, you know, possibly the Pelicans on some nights, maybe even the Mavericks. Um, like that's that, that's a big that's a big bump. Uh, yep. All right, let's finish out with the Utah Jazz. This one, this might be the single toughest one. So I'm glad we're doing it last. 37 wins a year ago, 35 and a half is the number for Utah. I am very, very, very cautiously going under, James. Uh, but give me your case for why you're going over. Uh, it's a big bet on how good Lori Markinen and Walker Kessler are. Uh, the John Collins piece, like I like him as a reclamation project in the right scenario. And I'm just worried that this maybe isn't the right scenario. I don't like that it, like, I think you want to have Laurie playing the four as much as possible. 
And so anytime that Collins and Kessler are out there, he's playing the three. Um, but I, I just, I like, like, oh, Linux a really nice backup big. He allows them to do some, some cool stuff on offense. Um, I like Keontae George. I like Ochag Baji, uh, Colin Sexton, Jordan Clarkson. You know, there's, there's a decent amount of overlap with these guys. They, they do a lot of the same things. So not exactly sure what the, uh, hierarchy is going to look like two months from now. I assume it's going to be kind of the veterans first, but uh, I even don't mind Taylor Horton Tucker. Um, just given his length and I thought he showed some flashes down the stretch last year. So I think it's, it's a deep team. Um, I think Markinen is like him and Kessler as you know, your, your defensive and offensive anchors. I think it's good enough to, to get to you know, high thirties. And I think the Will Hardy is one of the best coaches in the league. So um I, I don't love the way the John Collins piece fits. I do have some questions about the amount of passing in the backcourt, but I think Markkinen's just really good, and Kessler's one of the best defensive anchors in the league. Are you muted? Yeah, Collins has not been good uh, in the preseason at all, James, and that's concerning to me. I, I actually kind of like the move at first as just a – get him out of Atlanta type of thing where we, we've been asking for that for a while for fantasy, but it, I don't know. Uh, he might just be a different player at this point, you know, three, four years ago, he was like a you know borderline second, third round value. And it just kind of seems like, you know, whatever upward momentum there was, he's kind of lost that. Um, I'm with you on, on liking a lot of these pieces, you know, even if they, even if they were to, you know, make some sort of move to, to kind of move back, you know, whether that's like trading Colin Sexton, trading Jordan Clarkson, like there, there's some intriguing young talents of guys that I hope they get a look at as the year goes along. Um, I, I just think like coming into last year, I, I don't think they, they certainly didn't expect to be as good as they were. I don't know if they wanted to be as good as they were early on, you know, they started 12 and six mm-hmm. and it's like, if you don't start 12 and six this year, which I don't think happens, um, you know, the rest of the season, you know, they, they played it, you know, they basically played at what, like a borderline 30 win pace. Yeah. Um, you know, so it's like, if you don't have that hot start, do we view this team differently? You know, at one point they, they were 31 and 31 with 20 games to go. And and then won six more games the rest of the way. I mean, they so they, they kind of offset it at the end, and, and they did kind of. I mean, they did sort of. Tank, I mean, they they did flip the tanking switch. Um, yes. And they did, you know, they traded some guys. Um, do they? Do you see them kind of really leaning into that again this year? Is is there going to be even a motivation for it if you've got? Because I, I feel like you're going to have like four or five teams kind of around, yeah. you know, upper 20s, lower mid 20s, upper 20s. They might just be kind of in that that range with you know teams like the Magic, um teams like the Nets. Sure. And I just don't know how much those teams are going to go out of their way to kind of push to get like six best lottery odds or something like that. I I will say that there is some motivation here for Utah because they owe their first round pick to OKC and it's top 10 protected. So I don't you know, and you know the, the teams that we're talking about. It's like, yeah, maybe maybe if, if you're sitting with like the sixth best odds or the eighth best odds, like yeah, you feel pretty good about holding out of that pick. But I, I think they want to make sure that they're retaining that pick. And you know, ten is kind of right on the borderline there, where you gotta, you know, you, you, you obviously you don't want to surrender the eleventh pick in the draft. So I, I think there will be some motivation there. I, I think it's it's a total blank slate type of season for them. Like if, if they win twenty eight games and get the the fourth pick of the draft, I think they're totally fine with that. 
if they you know are come out of the gates hot again and and could push for a play-in spot i think they're fine with that um i just i think the the former is more likely to me i, I think they, they you know them struggling them taking a little bit of a step back uh, i still love marketing for fantasy i, I think he's going to be a monster i love walker kessler um but I, I don't i don't know that this team like if you stack up you know wh- who do you think are the best teams in the western conference like they're they're still, you know, below the play-in zone for me. Yeah, I think they're they're similar to the Rockets for me in that I just I really like their coach and but then you have to like with the Rockets they have that protected pick too, but I, there's a chance that it, they could be incentivized over the last like eight games to really push to try to get to right. the bottom. So um, it's tough, man. It's yeah. when you have like a good coach and good pieces, but it's not a team that's in that top 11 in the West. Uh, maybe the smart move was to go under there. They do play the Rockets twice in their last 15 games, three times, in fact, in their last wow. 15 games. So uh, yeah, that, <laughs> that, that could actually go a long way. Uh, those three games toward deciding the, the over-unders for both of these teams. Um, all right, James, that, that finishes it out. Uh, if you have not listened to the Eastern conference, make sure you, you scroll back at the feed. You can find that from last week, Monday, uh, October 16th. Uh, but this concludes all 30 win total over-unders, James. I did just see, we've had a rash of like random role player, like young player extensions today. Four years, 62 mil for Anyeka Okongwu. Oh, wow. That I like it. He's, he's great. He's, he the, uh, he's the best one-on-one Giannis stopper in the league. In my opinion. Yes. Yeah, Tim and Bam. Um, yeah, I've been, I've been holding him like forever in, in our staff keeper league and we'll continue to do so. Uh, I can assure you that. Hopefully this is a year uh, he gets a little more tick, but uh, again, check out the, the Easter conference. If you have not yet, uh, please like subscribe to the Rotowire fantasy basketball YouTube channel. We'll have episodes coming to you Monday through Friday, all through the NBA season. Uh, you can check us out on, on Sirius XM NBA as well. We'll be firing up that show. That'll be Monday through Friday uh, throughout the year. Uh, if you're a Sirius XM subscriber uh, and I will be doing my live NFBKC draft later tonight. Uh, you can check that out on our YouTube page as well as our socials. Uh, that'll get underway at about 9 p.m. Central. So check it out. We, we got 10,000 on the line, James. Uh, are you playing in NFBKC this year? No, I, I've i um, the past couple of years, I've taken some of my baseball winnings and um, spread them among the NFBKC community um, to help help all those players out yeah, a little thank bit. Thank you for that. And I, I took, a, took a year off of that, I think. I'm okay not giving those guys my NFBKC taxes here. Yeah, well, you can only do so much goodwill. Uh, so we, we appreciate all that you've done uh, donating to to the community. But that'll do it for us. Uh, Dr. Ray will be back tomorrow. Uh, I'll be back on Wednesday. And uh, James, we'll talk soon.